Listener Production. Hello and welcome back to your favourite weekly-ish podcast, Just the Gist. <laughs> what the f*** did I just say? I, <laughs> I haven't done the intro for a few weeks and so I've completely oh, I forgotten what I say. I loved it. I was like, he doesn't know what podcast he's on. He doesn't know what podcast he's on. <laughs> All right, focus. I've got it. Hello and welcome to Just The Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which ordinarily Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to share and discuss at a dinner party. As many of you probably know, Rosie's taking a break to look after her health and so we've pulled together a roster of extra special guest judges to come in and join me on the show. And this week we've got the Adam part of the Adam and Simon show, Adam. Denston, welcome to Just the Gist. <laughs> Thanks, mate. We have uh, actually scraped the bottom of the barrel, <laughs> and now that we've got through the bottom of the barrel, we've hit the concrete, and I'm the guy that's sitting on the cold concrete. Simon is going to hold over me for the rest of my life that uh, he was picked first. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm a, uh, that I'm a little bit annoyed, but like, <laughs> we'll just like let that simmer in the background. Treat this as your opportunity to outshine him, yeah? Um, Exactly. He did do a fantastic job. We loved having Simon on the show. He's definitely a fan favourite. But, um, look, I've heard you're the funny one. So (laughs) this is really going to be your moment. Uh, You seem to know me quite well, Jacob. Uh, Compliments, they absolutely fire me up, so I'm ready to roll. (laughs) Terrific. All right, so now you're primed. Um, Before we get into it, I want to make sure all the listeners get a bit of an update on Simon's welfare because when we had him on, he was just getting ready to try out eating nine apples and a one kilogram burrito to test out his theory of apples making you hungrier. Now, I could not listen to that episode and I had to scroll <laughs> past all the stuff on social media because I can't stand the sound or sight of people eating and I also was pretty sure that um, it was all going to end in voms and I cannot handle seeing or hearing that. <laughs> so how did things pan out in the end when Simon made that attempt? Well, I had a wonderful day, Jack. I had such a wonderful day. Uh-huh. It was a real pleasure, a real treat. And without spoiling the end, mm. there was a point where Simon was eating. He'd finished. Oh, so he was eating the nine apples and then he tried to eat a one kilo burrito, as you said. Mm-hmm. But there was a point where he had to stand up and he was uh, on his haunches over a grate, oh! like a, a grate, oh! Oh! and then um, a, a lady who must have been about 80 years old came over to him and said, what are you looking for? And he said, oh, ju- just my dignity. And then he got up and he tried to keep eating and I won't spoil whether he got to the end of the no, kilo. No, spoil it, spoil it because exactly. I will never look this up. Uh, <laughs> uh, he fell 250 grams short. Oh, okay. Yeah. He said that his, his issue was the amount of uh, the jaw workout. He needed to do more preparation with ah, chewing okay. for the jaw. Yeah, right. and uh, the salty pork got him as well. But, I mean, okay. that's not to say that it's over. There might be nine apples and, and a different food next time or eight because he's already done seven apples and two lasagnas. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right, okay, so he's in training. I'm, yes. I'm gathering. There's no such thing yet. as an off-season. Every meal counts as training. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, wish him the best from all of us. Will do. Um, and tell me, how have you been finding life as a new parent? How many months has it been now? We're almost four months in. Mm-hmm. So uh, my daughter Celia is 16 weeks mm-hmm. old. 
Uh, she came three and a half weeks early, which was mm-hmm. exceptionally rude of her. But the Denston family are known as being quite punctual people, so okay. I probably shouldn't have been too shocked. Uh-huh. Uh, she's pretty cool, mate. Like, it's funny. Mm. Uh, I don't feel any different. I'm not any more mature than I was beforehand, 17 weeks ago. But she <laughs> sleeps through the night. So my wife and I keep looking at each other and going, did we just get a good one? Yeah. Because we feel a little bit guilty when we say that she sleeps through the night. That's People a go, blessing. she's sleeping? And we go, yeah, we put her down at 9.30 and she wakes up at 7.30. And then we say that in very like mumbled breath mm. because if it's a new parent, they want to stab you. <laughs> but if it's like... Uh, someone who isn't, who doesn't have a child, they're like, oh man, there's hope for me. There's hope for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't be fooled though. Any of you who are out there who are <laughs> foolishly optimistic <laughs> hearing this, you need to know how many people are quietly cursing Adam's Heaps. name right now, hearing the good fortune he's heard about, because it is rare from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, but it's pretty cool, mate. The Getting a smile is by, like, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, that's probably the one thing. I've, there's a tried and tested method. Stick your tongue out and go a little bit like, <laughs> any of that, and it gets a smile, and then it, that does brighten your day. So I will I will give parents that. You are a sucker for praise. You really are. <laughs> yeah. And look, I'm not sold on the whole concept, but I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it. <laughs> um, and look, just before we sort of kick off, um, obviously being a very recent parent, I don't know how much time you've got for recreational TV viewing as opposed to your professional viewing on Gogglebox, but I wanted to ask you, have you watched the new Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon? Well, I'm at the moment tossing up whether to uh, delay and watch it all in one hit mm-hmm. or whether I just go week to week. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking of go and I've got until, basically until the second episode comes out, yep. I've got enough time to try and um, watch it then. Uh-huh. So I've watched a little bit of a trailer and I've watched it, I'm so excited, but I'm just deciding at the moment, do I watch it all at once? So, I, mate, to be honest, I'm probably going to go home and watch it after this. <laughs> Well, that's the decision I made to go ahead and watch it week on week because I figured I probably couldn't avoid spoilers. Um, And I actually, I haven't read the book that this series is based on, so I don't know what's coming. Um, All I can tell you, lovely gowns, really lovely gowns, fantastic wigs, um, a very traumatic birth scene, which um, (laughs) a recent parent like you may... (laughs) I'd be able that. to sit through. At 16 weeks ago, that's like my absolute specialty. And I know Millie Alcox in it too, who was in um, Upright at their show with Tim Minchin. Okay. And it was that was that's a great Aussie show. So I saw the trailer to um, the new House of the Dragon mm. and I saw her in there. I was like, that's a very familiar face and looked it up and I remember her from Upright. So And I actually sent, Matt, here you go, here's a scoop for you. I yeah. sent Millie a DM after Upright and being like, oh, Millie, like, you were awesome in the show, really, really loved Upright. Um, Tim was great, sent him a message. He obviously didn't reply. But Millie got back to me and was like, hey, Adam, thanks. That's really lovely that you said that. So I'm in contact with the lead of the House of the Dragon. So, you know, whatever. Look Don't at worry about you. It. All right, should we go ahead and get into the story? I'm going to be giving to... you the gist of this week. I'm well, ready to roll. Let's do it. We've got Lindsay here. Feel free to ask any questions you might have along the way because this is a very, very silly story that takes place in America. And it is about a city who, with the very best of intentions, tried to shift their image in a positive direction. But instead, oopsie, they orchestrated one of the most ludicrous human-made disasters in history. (laughs) I am serving this week just the gist of the Cleveland Balloon Fest disaster of 1986. (laughs) 
Do you know anything about this at all? Oh, no, absolutely nothing. My first question was going to be where in America because it definitely wasn't going to be happening like New York or New Orleans mm-hmm. or, I mean, it was nowhere big. So I feel like Cleveland, Ohio is perfect. And right now I'm wondering how big the balloons were, whether they were like hot air balloons or whether they were just like regular party balloons. Standard party balloons. Yep. Oh, even better. That is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. How- they caused havoc. The biggest disaster I reckon I've had with party balloons is like he's trying to blow too many up and feeling a bit lightheaded. So I don't know where this is going to go. Okay, cool. One of my friends almost lost an eye by overinflating <laughs> a balloon and had to go to hospital because, yeah, he seriously injured his cornea or whatever. Um, I personally have been able to avoid all balloon-related tragedies. Congratulations. Um, although I will say my mum, she tells me I had this deathly fear of balloons as a kid because the sound of them popping just set me off. <laughs> and so she used them as sort of like a corralling device for me. If there was oh, a room nice. she didn't want me to go into or to keep me away from the staircase, all she had to do was put a balloon nearby and I would steer clear. Yeah. Um, see if that's a tactic that works for little Celia in the future. <laughs> Don't go in the good room. Don't go it. in the good yeah. room. <laughs> Make her deathly afraid of balloons and then yeah. fill it to the Done. brim. Lindsay, have you got any um, balloon uh, balloon horror stories? Unfortunately, I am a bit bereft of balloon horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> at least, Poor dear child. At least none that come bereft. to mind. Or maybe they were so traumatic that I have blocked them out of my memory and maybe this Love will that. be a trigger for me. Oh, well, let us know if something yeah. comes up <laughs> along the way. We're here for you. All right, let's get into the catastrophe. And 1986, I will start off by saying that is known as a real banner year for catastrophes. In January of 86, the Challenger space shuttle exploded just after it took off. We did an episode of Just the Gist about that. In April of 86, the Chernobyl nuclear plant incident happened. Yep. In May of 86, Rosie Waterland was born. And my brother. And my brother, Josh Denston, was born in May, May the 6th, 1986, mate. Banner year for disaster. (laughs) Absolute banner year. Travesties all over the place. Um, And then in September of 86, Balloon Fest happened and it was meant to be a fun, playful way to raise money for charity and more than that, help change the city of Cleveland from being a national embarrassment into a buzzing (laughs) tourist destination. Did they... Did they call it Balloon Fest? Was that the name that they it went with? It was called Balloon Fest. Okay, yes. interesting. This is like pre-LeBron James bringing Cleveland back to like popular culture as being cool. That's right. We yep. are hitting Balloon Fest. They didn't have him yet, so they had to go with bright, colourful, floating <laughs> orbs. And they decided they were going to get two million of them, fill them with helium, <laughs> and then release them all simultaneously. <laughs> And that was going to turn the city into a tourist destination. You'll be stunned to know it was exclusively men who orchestrated this whole stunt. Can I ask, what was the problem with Cleveland? Oh, we'll get into that. Yeah. In fact, we'll kick off there. Yeah. We'll give a bit of context on Cleveland. So it had started off when it was founded as a pretty successful thriving industrial city in the American Midwest. Mm -hmm. But then around the early 1960s, things kind of took a bit of a turn. A lot of factories closed. That led to a lot of unemployment. That led to then homelessness as well as population decrease because a lot of people and businesses 
relocated. Sounds like a real tourist hub. Mm, This sounds like mm, somewhere that I want to travel to. You wouldn't want to miss it, no. Put it on your itinerary. The crime rate went through the roof. It was one of the highest in the US. Pretty much everyone who lived there was a criminal or they were a victim of a crime or or both. Yep, great. Um, When you add that to the factors of the equation that already existed, which were that Cleveland gets some of the foulest weather in all of North America, I'm talking (laughs) tornadoes and blizzards (laughs) all the time, even the guy who founded Cleveland, General Moses Cleveland, left after a few months because he hated it there and he (laughs) never, ever returned. Can you imagine calling it a city after yourself and then being like, I'd just rather not live here? Gotta get like out if of I'm here. calling a city after myself, mate, I'm staking claim owning as much land as possible. Mm. So you'd probably want to spend a good solid year there to make mm. sure that you're willing to slap your name on it. Um, yep. No, he just showed up and said, yep, this is my city. And then after a couple of months went, huh, not for me. <laughs> and off he pissed. Um, so... Then add to that, all their sports teams sucked and most of them had really racist names and mascots. Mm-hmm. And then add to that, um, because of its industrial past, the city was so polluted, the river literally caught on fire at least oh. 13 <laughs> times that we know of. What is the, like, what's the pollution in a river that makes it, like, what's flammable The greasy in a river? sludge floating ah, okay. on the surface that has a whole lot of wood and other sorts of debris and manure and whatnot in there. All it would take would be, like, a spark coming from a train wheel to land on the surface of the river and woof, off it would go. Or a 14-year-old kid with a box of matches. Yes, and I'm sure there were plenty of those around because there wasn't a lot of fun activities for kids in Cleveland. Have you been to Cleveland, Jacob? Shockingly, no. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? I thought about it, but I just couldn't bring myself to. Mm. So I've, uh, that's, I mean, it's on the to-do list, obviously, after Bloomfest, but... uh, (laughs) Not yet. I'll say that not yet rather than a no. Mm-hmm. Look, maybe today things are quite different, but back then Cleveland objectively, when you added all those factors together, it was a shit pit. And <laughs> its nickname rightfully became the mistake on the lake because it was on the shores of Lake Erie. And across America it was the butt of a lot of jokes like, what's the difference between Cleveland and a bucket of crap? The bucket. <laughs> and... What the kids from Cleveland spend the first semester of kindergarten studying? Their Miranda rights. Because <laughs> the crime rate's so high. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Now, by the mid-80s, after a couple of decades of decline, the Cleveland City Council decided enough was enough and they launched a few initiatives to try to put Cleveland back on the map for some positive I'm excited to hear these. Mm -hmm. There was nothing like a group of people in the 80s getting together being like, we need to rebrand our city. Mm -hmm. That's like Warrigal in Victoria (laughs) going and being like, all right, guys, how do we get some tourists here? You're like, shit, guys, I don't know. Like, I really don't know what we can do to make this place attractive. (laughs) Well, these guys were a little more inspired, maybe because they had uh, maybe a little more nose candy available to them Mm -hmm. over there in the States than they had in Warrigal. Who knows? Um, But the first step, the first thing they pursued was lobbying really hard to be chosen as the location for the new Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh. Yes. Because there's a lot of stuff in – when I say a lot of stuff, I say that very facetiously, but there is – the, I think the Baseball Hall of Fame is in Cooperstown, Ohio. I think Ohio is quite the home of uh, Hall of Fames for sports, like uh, 
like the NFL Hall of Fame. I okay. think there's one in like Bakerstown, one in Cooperstown. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure, and I'm not going to look it up, so don't quote me on it, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure sporting like leagues have uh-huh. their Hall of Fames in Ohio. Interesting. There you go. We might do a little fact check on that a little bit later on. I would be most interested to know if those sporting Hall of Fames were located where they were located because of bribery, because that's what happened with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. The local council basically bribed the Hall of Fame to come to there. (laughs) But a win's a win, and they were thrilled they were getting the Hall of Fame. That felt like a real turning point for the city. And so to commemorate that turning point, the powers that be decided they needed to host some kind of major event to kick off what was going to be this new era of prosperity for Cleveland Mm. and hopefully stop everyone from calling it a hellish above-ground sewer. (laughs) I thought we were calling it the shit pit. Because I quite like shit pit. I reckon shit shit pit should have taken off. Uh, where shit do you pit live? isn't uh, above ground. I live, <laughs> I live in America's shit pit. I quite like that. <laughs> Um, so all the city council members and local like power players got together for a brainstorming session in March of 86 to try to work out what this event could look like. And um, yeah, as I alluded to before, because it was the 80s and because the ideas they were generating were pretty loco, I'm I'm quite certain that we can assume there were a couple of lines racked up on the yep. meeting table while so the these bribery- folks were getting together. The bribery for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame had happened in what, like eighty five or something before. Yep. Do we know? Do we know how much they had bribed them? Like, how much does it cost to get the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame built in your city? This is just the gist, so I don't know that off nice. the top of my head. But I have a feeling it was close to a million, like nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Surely they could use funnel that million dollars into like creating a school lunch program. To incentivize young people to that's no stay fun, the Lindsay. And that's <laughs> yeah, not going no to bring in to, tourists. No one wants Come to clean on. the river with a million dollars. People want rock and roll <laughs> Hall of Fame. They want Elvis. They want Roy Orbison. They want the Beatles. All that kind of crap. The guy knows what he's talking not about. School lunches. Can't argue with that. Mm. Yeah. No one. No one cares about milk enough. <laughs> So they had the Hall of Fame. Now they needed something to act as a punctuation mark to be like, all right, Cleveland has arrived now. What's this event going to look like? Now, the ringleader of the council um, was like, okay, it's got to be epic. It's got to get national news coverage. It's got to be spectacular. People will have to want to travel from across the country to come to this event and it has got to make history. Then they started sort of bouncing off each other, talking about who does a really good job of drawing crowds and someone pointed out that that's something Disneyland is really good at. And then Mm. someone pointed out that Disneyland (laughs) just a few months ago had got a crowd of 100,000 people at their 30th anniversary celebration by releasing a million helium balloons in the air, which also got them a Guinness World Record for biggest mass balloon re- release of all time. Do you know what shocks me here is that someone decided to go, let's put two million mm. balloons in the air rather than say, let's just build a Disneyland here. <laughs> like I feel like the op- the smart thing to do is be like, oh, what brings people to a city? Disneyland does. Mm. Mm. Let's do that. They went, oh, no, what does Disneyland do? Let's just copy that. Or, guys, do a million and one. Like, (laughs) you don't need two million. (laughs) Just do a million and one. Yeah. Anyway... 
they landed on that being the best idea. Let's release two million balloons. We'll steal Disneyland's record and we'll show the world that we don't need Disneyland because we're better than Disneyland. (laughs) Now, they didn't have the funds to pay for a stunt like that, so they decided to make it a fundraising event. They'd get a charity involved and that way people's donations could cover all the costs. Plus they'd already bribed the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a million dollars. Yeah. They'd already so spent the all their cash. Were empty. Yep. Guys, we've got no right. money for these balloons. Mm-hmm. What was the charity? <laughs> uh, it's called United Way and okay. it looks after a bunch of different um, initiatives, mostly helping people who are living unhoused. Um, then they continued the brainstorming because they needed to come up with a solution for sourcing the manpower they'd need to fill up 2 million balloons with helium. And that's when they decided, well, the answer's right in front of us. Kids, that's what (laughs) children are for. Ah, yeah. We'll get the local school kids to volunteer, in inverted commas, for the event. Um, And that also seemed like a stroke of genius. The media would eat that up, that kids are getting involved for charity. Because the media love nothing else than child labour. My (laughs) God, they just absolutely (laughs) just froth on it. They're like, this is front page news and how good is this? You want a feel-good story? we got 16,000 chimney sweeps working for us right now. Unbelievable stuff. I love, because I'm just picturing this, like, boardroom happening. Mm-hmm. There's, like, 15 people around and someone goes, how about we get the kids involved? Oh, that is a bloody brilliant idea. And then someone sits back and goes, ah, oh, exactly. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. And everyone goes, yeah, mate, absolutely nothing. This is an absolute home run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yes. And I say home run because they've just been at the uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, Ohio, <laughs> I think, or Bakersfield, one of the two. Great callback. Um, final step of this brainstorming session to really make it a home run is to come up with the perfect name. Now, Disneyland had called their one million balloon release Skyfest. <laughs> chumps. No one was there to see the sky. They were there to see the balloon. Therefore, <laughs> Cleveland's event would be called Balloon Fest. Brilliant. Brilliant. And they knew that if they were going to pull this Balloon Fest off, they were going to need the Balloon Baron. This guy, the Balloon Baron, real person, he is the global authority on all things balloon, confetti and streamer. He is a guy called Treb Heining. I'm so excited to hear his name. Treb. Treb. Is Treb short for anything? Or is Treb just like Treb? Treb. Trebiani was all, that was what I was thinking. Can you look that up, Lindsay, while I continue? And we'll get an answer to you very shortly. So Treb Heining, he is the Beyonce of balloons, and I mean that quite <laughs> literally. They do have a fair bit in common. Like B, he's been in the game since he was a kid. He's also been booked for Super Bowls, presidential inaugurations, and Coachella. Oh, this so, man knows his glitter. A lot of parallels there. He has dedicated his life to balloons. Does he maybe have a latex fetish? Who knows? Definitely it's doesn't have a latex allergy. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-mm. yeah. I wonder if that's one of those things that you could potentially develop later in life if you're exposed <laughs> to too much of it. So unfortunate. If that's Wouldn't your job, like if that's your tragic. life's work, you're 10 years old and you're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You're like, oh, I want to be the balloon baron. Anything Less. holding you away? I've got a latex allergy. Oh. <laughs> cruel, cruel fate. Now, if you're wondering how someone could become the balloon baron, 
That's a very good question. And I'm thrilled to be able to tell you that the answer is with a little help from my eternal Lord and Saviour, the divine Cher. This is for real. He became the balloon baron because of Cher. He was hired to do the balloons for Cher's son Elijah's birthday party. And for that party, he made the world's first ever known balloon arch. And Cher went wild for it. She posed for some photos underneath it with Treb. Those photos were in magazines all across the country and suddenly everyone in America had to have a balloon arch just like Cher's. And so Treb's career just skyrocketed from there. Was he the guy, like, was he the guy that first made balloon animals? Like, was he the guy that had the really long, like, the noodle and he was like, bam, giraffe? Bam, i got a sword for you. Because that's why I picture Treb like turning up at a party and being like, guys, don't worry about it. I can make a mouse. You want a pizza? I can make a pizza. You want a car? I'll make a car. <laughs> what do you need? You make a toilet? I'll make a toilet. You can sit on it. You can use it. You can flush it. Have a look at this. <laughs> so that's how he got his career started, learning right. the basics of how to make that sort of stuff. And then he continued to make it more and more and more complex. So, right. yes, it kind of predates him, but he elevated it to an art form. Yeah. Made an arch, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, people use them to get married under. Like, there's um yeah. plenty of you, plenty of functions for a for a balloon arch. Mm-hmm. And it's all thanks to Treb, whose name is apparently Treb is his full official name. Uh-huh. Interesting. But another site brought up that Treb is Bert backwards. Ooh. Oh, so, so maybe his parents wanted to be a bit kooky. Oh, oh. he's got a twin. <laughs> or had a twin. Yeah, but we've Bert got that. Just the juice with Bockage and Matter. <laughs> that was very swift. He's, um <laughs> Managed to pull that off very quickly. Impressive. Then in 1985, Treb was the one who designed and coordinated Disneyland's Million Balloon release at Skyfest. Right. So you go and the guy that made it happen in the first place, uh-huh. and you go and I want the same, I just want it double. That's correct. And he right. jumped at the chance to break his own record. He and his wife bit the bullet and moved out to Cleveland for six months so he could plan the event from the very beginning. Now, from March to September, all the kids in the city were given an allocation of balloons to sell sponsorships for at 50 cents a piece. So they raised a million dollars, whether they wanted to or not. They were all just allocated a quota they had to get done. This sounds like Jump Rope for Heart and like that kind of book and the MS Readathon and Mm -hmm. stuff like that when I was in primary school. Yep. We didn't get to opt out. We were just automatically participating. Uh Uh-huh. Um, In the days leading up to the event, there was lots of hype in the media about how this was a rebirth for the city. It was going to change Cleveland's reputation forever. There were also lots of jokes about how great it was that Canada would be the suckers who'd have to manage the cleanup once all the balloons floated north over the lake across the border. (laughs) Everyone thought that was hilarious. Oh, brilliant. That is unbelievable stuff. It's like none of the cleanup. You don't want to have to yep. do any of the cleanup. Put that on another country. Yep, leave that to Canada. Um, and there were regular updates in news bulletins that showed footage of the massive balloon enclosure as it was being set up at the Balloon Fest base camp. Treb's team had basically turned the public square, a city block in the middle of Cleveland, into a massive three-storey tall box with fabric sides and a giant net over mm. the top. Because that's what I was wondering. It's So that's where they picked it because I was wondering, do they pick like a football field? Do they pick like a big open space? 
Do they pick some? Like, where in the shit pit do you go to put up two million balloons? <laughs> right in so, the center of the shit right pit. The, I mean, that's perfect because that's how you, you want the crowd in the middle. Bang! Oh straight yeah, in the middle. Mm-hmm. Downtown Cleveland, and at four a.m. on launch day, two and a half thousand child quote unquote volunteers mm-hmm. showed up at Balloon Fest Ground Zero, ready to start their shift of unpaid labor. They just finished their uh, they just finished their chimney sweeping. They yes. come they're a little bit dirty, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they were here. And they finished. 16-hour shift and boy, oh boy, were they ready to work another eight. Mm-hmm. And they were just so excited to be there <laughs> that early in the morning, knowing that each individual kid had a quota of 800 balloons to <laughs> fill over do we the know, next few hours. Do we know the age range of the kids? Like what's the youngest kid? Because like if you're 18, I get you can probably do 800 balloons across the time. Mm. But like how young is young? Are we doing like five-year-olds or are we doing six-year-olds? I think if they were dexterous enough to be able to fill and tie off a balloon, they were automatically in. Right. I don't if you got think hands, there were any cutoffs. In. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. They're very good. <laughs> Um, camera crews were setting up everywhere. The local radio stations were ready to broadcast live on location for this historic event. But, uh-oh, small hiccup. The kids couldn't start filling the balloons just yet because the night before, a huge storm had swept through the city and torn down part of the balloon enclosure. And Treb's team was frantically trying to patch it up. So off to a great start. That bodes really, really well. What time of the year are we in? Which month? This is just heading towards winter, end of spring. Okay. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. And because I tell you what, nothing says patching up some cloth enclosure of balloons <laughs> with like needle and thread. Nothing says you need balloons around you yeah. more than a needle and thread. <laughs> Very good point. Um, So proceedings were delayed by about an hour while they did that repair job Um, and when they got to work, the kids were told they needed to work extra, extra fast to make up for that lost time. (laughs) They all got stuck in frantically trying to keep the pace, trying to meet the quota of three to four balloons per minute. They'd fill each one up, tie it off, release it, it'd float up into the net roof. That roof started to lift higher and higher as it got fuller by the minute. And as the hours went by, all the kids started getting these nasty blisters on their little fingertips, but they were absolutely not given the option to quit, no matter how much they were oozing and bleeding all over the balloons. They were just given band-aids and put straight back to work. And of course, then those bandages just made them less dexterous and more clumsy and slowed them down. So things were getting slower and slower. How many kids do you reckon were sucking in the helium? Like how many kids were just like putting their mouth over the little bit of like the tube and just going like... It would be impossible to resist. I'm sure there for a lot of them they didn't sound very different at all because <laughs> they were quite young. Because they're seven. Um, by about one o'clock, the giant net was like bulging with all these multicoloured balloons. It sort of looks in images that you can see from the event like a giant chocolate freckle hovering over uh, the city. Uh, yes, But nice it was kind picture. of like blubbing like an enormous... Jellyfish. It's quite a spectacular sight, even just seeing that. But the main event, the release, was running a few hours behind schedule. So the supervisors continued to encourage the kids to inflate faster, faster, Trev's faster. Trev's got his whip out. He's mm-hmm. walking around and he's just like cracking it. I mean, if it happens to hit a kid, it's not his fault. He's just cracking it in a general direction. <laughs> if the kid gets in the way, they're responsible. <laughs> um, 
Then they found out that there was a big gnarly storm heading for Cleveland. Another Good. one. Good. I mean, Cleveland one yesterday. Known for it. Yeah. Yeah. They get one a day. Um, it was going to hit the city in the next few hours, and they had two options: either cancel the event, send everyone home, try again another day. Or just release all the balloons they'd filled up so far and then go and seek shelter from the storm. And How many have we got up so far? Do you know our estimate that we've got up? Almost one and a half million. Ah, oh, so we've already beaten Disneyland. Smashed it, yes. Oh, suck it. Why didn't they just, shame. just yep. stop, guys? Just stop and let them out, then mm-hmm. you win. Time to do the release. So everyone was notified, get ready to launch ASAP. The radio host led the crowd in a countdown. The net opened up. Those balloons erupted over the city in this massive cloud. It sort of moved like a giant school of fish while it rose up in the air as one huge mass and then sort of separated, engulfed skyscrapers. Like, looked incredible. The footage, we'll post it online. It's amazing. As dumb as the whole concept, was, it was pretty spectacular and the crowd was going wild. The radio announcer dude who was hosting was screaming, this is it, Cleveland, we did it, this is your time, we're not the mistake (laughs) on the lake anymore, we'll never be the butt of a joke ever again, we are a vibrant global city and we've got a Guinness World Record to prove it. Nothing says the 80s like a radio outside broadcast, Mm -hmm. like the local FM radio station being like, all right, guys, come on down to the local centre square, we're going to be releasing a million and a half balloons. Like, that's a full-on Hamish and Andy tactic. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah, it makes it that extra bit 80s when you include the Guinness World Record attempt yes. in the yes. equation, for sure. Um, everyone kept cheering ecstatically as the balloons rose up and started to drift away, but then just as the excitement started to die down and the crowd was starting to disperse, things took a turn, which probably could have been predicted, but yet no one saw coming. The balloons were all expected to just sort of keep floating up and up and spreading out further and further until they popped or deflated and Go fell back Canada. to Earth. Yep, Canada's over in Canada over the next couple of days. It is, as my wife and I say, NOP, not our problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. They were leaving that Absolutely to gone. their friends over the border to take care of. But that cold front ahead of the big storm that was coming arrived sooner than expected and it collided (laughs) with the cloud of balloons and the cold air and the rain pushed them all back down to ground level as a mass into the city. So this blanket of balloons sort of ominously dropped down onto the greater Cleveland area simultaneously. Within minutes, the city was in a state of total chaos. There were cars colliding with buildings, with other cars, with people, (laughs) because suddenly the drivers were just engulfed in thousands of balloons sort of swirling (laughs) around them. The airport had to abruptly shut down because the planes couldn't safely land or take off because there was this fog of floating orbs swirling around all over the place. Can you imagine if you were on one of those planes that was in the air and you were told by the captain that you were going to be diverted to another airport because Cleveland was experiencing a balloon-based catastrophe right now and they weren't going to be able to land there for the next few hours. I was picturing, um, what I'm picturing in my head, being on the ground is like, you know those, uh, if you're in, they've ever been in the room, but where the walls start closing in Mm. and it's like it's coming in real slow but you can't stop it and there's just balloons like coming in over you like I'm going to be suffocated. Mm -hmm. These kids like, I can't even bat them away, I've got no fingers left. (laughs) 
they left us defenceless of oh, the humanity. Um, yeah, I mean, it happened so surprisingly quickly. Again, there is footage of this that the balloons just sort of descended and caused this chaos. One of the really quirky effects of this was that at farms just outside the city, animals started really freaking out, especially horses, because they're skittish divas at the best of times, Mm. particularly when there's a storm coming. When the balloons started falling on them, they started running around and kicking the shit out of each other, and then they (laughs) injured themselves really badly. This is terrible. Trying to run through fences to get away from these balloons that they were absolutely terrified of. All the excitement from just moments ago was suddenly replaced by panic, total pandemonium. The city was at a standstill for the next couple of hours. One of the darkest consequences of the balloon release going wrong was that the Coast Guard's rescue helicopter had to make an emergency landing while they were in the middle of a search and rescue mission out on Lake Erie. There were these two men who probably weren't really that smart, but they'd gone out fishing the night before, just before the storm. I was going to say, in the storm. Yeah. Um, And unsurprisingly, their boat had washed up on shore empty the morning of Balloon Fest and the Coast Guard had spent all day out there searching for them, but they had to land the chopper because the pilot couldn't see anything with these balloons churning around in the air everywhere. And also the rescue teams who were out on boats on the lake had to call off their part of the search because the entire surface of the lake ended up covered in tens of thousands of balloons and it was very difficult to try to spot a person's head bobbing in the water. (laughs) I mean, I shouldn't laugh, there was humans out there, but... Yeah, but, I mean, it does sound like a grim game of where's Wally and the Coast Guard was losing, so they were like, okay, we're just going to have to wait until all these balloons disappear before we go out and try again. As you can imagine, the tone of all the national media coverage flipped instantly. For the next few weeks, reporters and experts mercilessly mocked the city of Cleveland for doing something so reckless, so idiotic, so needless, and for causing so much damage, especially after the bodies of those missing fishermen washed up on shore and people started asking whether maybe they could have been saved if the search hadn't had to be called off because of those cursed balloons. I'm also picturing there was like a a town in Canada that's on the other side of the lake Mm -hmm. and they just happened to have their like, it's our biggest bring your fan to shore day. And there was just like (laughs) thousands and thousands of fans that were just like blowing the balloons back (laughs) over. They're like, you thought you had us, did you, America? I don't think so. Canada's a bit smarter than you. And then all of the balloons just got pushed back by the fans that they had running on the shoreline of the lake. (laughs) Let's all choose to believe that instead of the reality, which was that, yeah, Canadians were really, really pissed off about all the balloon debris that was washing up on their side of the lake and some of which was landing. Because even though the balloons were supposed to be biodegradable, they took months to break down and they would choke pretty much any animal that tried to eat them. So, yes, an environmental catastrophe had been caused. Then we had to get the six-year-olds from Canada to come and clean up (laughs) all of the balloon debris. Like, I mean, it's it's just like absolutely terrible stuff that more kids had to be put to work. Uh, At least it kept them busy off the street. (laughs) Out of of mischief. Mm -hmm. Now, naturally, America being America, lawsuits were filed against the organisers. A few people sued for damages to their vehicles. 
And a woman whose horses were injured when they started freaking out sued for $100,000 in compensation for their physical and emotional trauma as well as for her own. Did she win? uh, She did. Um, Although it was settled out of court and we don't know how much she got. We also don't know how much the wife of one of the dead fishermen got when she sued for $3.2 million. What was the wife of the other dead fisherman doing? I have no idea. Surely if your mate's like, hey, I just sued the city for three million bucks, you're like, geez, I wouldn't mind a piece of that. Like Mm -hmm. I'm also, granted, grieving my husband, Mm -hmm. but still three million bucks is three million bucks. We're assuming that they were both married. Um but uh, maybe the maybe the other guy wasn't married because he might have been mm. like the stupid one who was like, let's go fishing mm. in a storm. Maybe there was a reason that guy didn't have a partner. That adds up. Um, yeah, so we have no idea how much the organisers ended up paying out, but we can be pretty confident that the charity ended up making a loss because they'd raised a million bucks, they'd spent half a million on setting everything up and then they've had to pay out all of these settlements. So it didn't work out well for United Way at all and, of course, the whole thing was just a terrible embarrassment for the city of Cleveland. The name Mistake on the Lake took on a whole new meaning and, of course, everyone who was involved in organising the event was disgraced but only briefly because they were all straight white men so they were all fine in the end. We love a second chance, the straight white Mm -hmm. men. And they get plenty of them. Um, (laughs) Treb Heinig snuck out of Cleveland as quickly as he could and he never spoke of Balloon Fest ever again. I've Ah. read his full biography on his website. There is not even a mention of the word Cleveland. And in the end, Cleveland's world record for largest ever balloon release was only acknowledged in the 1988 edition of the Guinness World Records, along with an announcement that Guinness would no longer recognise balloon releases as a category of record because they didn't want to encourage any future (laughs) balloon releases that might end up being even more catastrophic than Cleveland's was. In Cleveland's defence, does that mean they now have the record in perpetuity? (laughs) No one can ever steal Mm -hmm. the record for most amount of balloons released at one time from them. I mean, Cleveland, not a great way to go about it, but if there's a way that you want to hold a record forever, well done. Like, I tip my hat. Mm -hmm. Nailed it. And that, dear Adam, is just the gist of the balloons that terrorised Cleveland in 1986. I have one question before we go mm-hmm. because that, I love that. But is Treb still alive? And oh yeah. Can I can I hire him for my birthday? And like, how much is it going to cost me? Oh, probably a pretty penny. Um, look, I'll put a link to his website in the show notes, and I'll send it through to you as well. And Thank um, you very much. yeah, you can investigate. Let us know what he quotes you. Okay, I will do. I might have to investigate for our podcast. Mm. Oh, that is, yep, something I might do. Very good. Treb, I'm coming for you, brother. <laughs> Can't wait to see what he pulls together for you. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Adam. Um, really great to have you on. Um, if people want to hear or see more of you, where can they find you? Uh, the Adam and Simon Show, you can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts or the listener app. Uh, we're also on Gogglebox, which is has just come back. So the season will run through till the end of the year, I guess. We're mm-hmm. sitting on our couch. You listen to us sit on our couch. I don't know. You really can't avoid us. Or just find our socials, uh, Adam Denston and Simon Lovett, except he's Simon with a Y because he's a bit of a funny dude. <laughs> and um, actually I was thinking about this earlier because you guys work at the same physio practice as well, right? 
No, different practices. Different practices. We, okay. we need a little bit of space between Yeah, us. I was going to say, you basically spending every waking hour with each other, but no, okay, you do get a little bit of a break. Yeah. Well, our running, the, the running line that we've worked out is that we've spoken in some form, so like whether that be WhatsApp, message, call, email, we've had some form of contact with each other every day for about eight years. We've talked to each other more often than we've talked to our partners. <laughs> that is quite the streak. It's scary, <laughs> Lindsay. That, that was like a, oh, I don't know. That was like a not an impressed wow. That was like a, oh, wow. You should see her face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the idea of, um, yeah, that much commitment to another person does freak me out. Uh, so props <laughs> to you guys. Just got to dive in. Just got to dive in. <laughs> I'm with you, Lindsay. All right, thank you again, Adam. Really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back on again in the future. Thanks, mate. Loved it. Cheers. Bye, everyone. Listener.